Welcome to We'll Ride for Wine, a podcast about wine, writing, and song, but mostly wine and writing, with your hosts, Samantha Graves and Lonnie Diane Rich. Take it away, girls. Thank you, Wanda. Welcome to We'll Ride for Wine. This is Samantha Graves. And this is Lonnie Diane Rich. We're here to talk to you about wine and writing. Today's episode will be on writer process. Yes, this is a topic we have been talking about forever because we are so different personality-wise and we write so differently and both of us are equally shocked that we get along so well. (laughs) And today's show is going to be, oh, extra cool because it includes, drum roll please, personality tests. (laughs) Yay! And that's all later in the program, but first we have wine. Yes, yes we do. Sam, what are you drinking tonight? Tonight I am having an Italian Tuscany wine called Tutubeno 2005 Toscano Rosso IGT from Tenimente Angelini, a family-owned group of Tuscan estates. (laughs) I am so proud of you. And I am pretty sure my pronunciation would be completely unrecognizable to them. It sounded really good. We were talking about this, people, before we started the show. I was like, I'm going to make you pronounce that all Italian. And she did. You had the whole tutto bene thing going on. Yeah, well, next week I'm picking a nice California wine that I can pronounce without hurting myself. (laughs) (laughs) But this is a very good wine, and I I really Mm -hmm. love my Italian wines, I have to say. Mm -hmm. So uh, the wine notes, the back of the bottle just says wine, 13% alcohol. Well, you like the heavy hitters, don't you? Yeah. (laughs) You don't mess around. When you get your wine, you're like, dude. (laughs) So apparently no writers on... uh, uh, working on, on this one, one. Uh-huh. yeah. Mm-hmm. But I went to the website and it said good blackberry and chocolate aromas and flavors, full bodied with soft round tenons and juicy. <laughs> that sounds so good. I Doesn't wish it was it? at your house right now. I know. It sounds like you want to have it for like wine. dessert or something. I know, but how how are tannins soft and round though? I mean, okay, now not to pick on these wine writers, but mm-hmm. tannins are just. I mean, aren't they like? I don't know. I don't know how they're soft and round. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, don't know I either. Describe them that way. But, but anyway. I, but I, I yeah. can kind of see that. I mean, the tannins are that, that, I don't know, it's that, it's a taste you get in the back of your mouth. It's uh, yeah. I, I love it. So I, I think that's I why I like red wine. Because I, I don't think, think white wine has tannins in it. So White wine doesn't, right? Yeah. I don't think just, so. Just red wine, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And what are you drinking? Well, I got to tell you. <laughs> Tonight, I'm giving another shout out to Anne, Hi, our Anne. American expat. Hi, Anne, in Australia. Because uh, after I said in the first show that I draw the line at screw top caps, she commented on the website that perhaps I was being a little too quick to judge. Although she said it really nice. Yes, she did. Um, so I went to my favorite <laughs> local liquor store, and you know, basically said I, you know, I need to drink. A wine with a screw top cap, a decent wine, no Boone's Farm nonsense for me. And um, and the guy was like, "Well, you know, no bottle ever went bad due to a screw top cap." He's <laughs> so right. Apparently, <laughs> it seems, and this is news to me, that the people in the know realize that corks are just about presentation. <laughs> they have absolutely nothing to do with the quality of the wine. While the ignoramuses like myself walk around sticking their noses up about it, right? You know. So, um, so I asked him to, you know, point me in the direction of a decent screw top wine, and he referred me to tonight's special treat. It's called Pillar Box Red. 
which That's is not to be interesting. <laughs> not to be confused with booze in a box. It's a totally different thing. <laughs> um, I will continue to be snooty about booze in a box. Uh, this is an actual wine in an actual bottle, but just with a screw top cap. Um, it is a Cabernet Shiraz Merlot mix, and this comes direct from the label. So. <clears throat> Named after the proprietor of the 19th century mail coach service, which once ran through their property, Henry's Drive Vignerons, something I can't pronounce, is the wine operation of the Longbottom family of Pathway. Third generation pastoralists Mark and Kim... <laughs> we're buddies now, we're on a first name basis, are forging a new family tradition of fine winemaking with brands such as Henry's Drive, Parsons Flat, Dead Letter Office, and Pillar Box Red. Um, so I think they've got one label uh-huh. for all the wines that they made. Obviously. They only wanted to write that once. <laughs> you know, and it's so funny because earlier this week, Sam and I were talking about these great, you know, label, wine label writers, you know, that they've just got this incredible way with words, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm thinking that the Pillar Box people haven't found those great <laughs> writers because I didn't understand what any of that meant. Well, and you like, sent it to me earlier and I'm reading it and I didn't understand. Thank you. I know. I just, that's part of the reason why I'm sharing it because I was like, is it just me? I read it like three times and the only thing I got out of it is that these are this wine is made by people who also make other wines. You yeah. know, and and there was a guy who ran a mail service named Henry. That's the only thing that I got from it. <laughs> so basically, now y'all are relying on me to describe it, and I have to say it's good. I mm-hmm. like it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's you know, it's it's good. It's it's um a little on the dry side, mm-hmm. kind of spicy. I don't know if the tannins are round okay. or not. I'm not sure. Um, are but they're, uh, are they're flat it's, it's, or they're tall or they're short or you know, I I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm so confused by all these descriptions. They don't make sense to me. <laughs> <sighs> That's all right. Let's just move on. Move on into the shout-outs and announcements. Yes, we'd like to give our shout-outs this week to Adrian Pierce, Yay! whose wonderful song, Lost and Found, we used as the bed music in the spot we play for the Fortune Quilt, mm-hmm. Lonnie's book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adrian found us through MySpace and has a brother who is sending us wine. How cool is that? <laughs> We're very excited about yes. that. Yes. <laughs> and Adrian is also sending us a CD. Squeeze! <laughs> And we're sending her books. So Will Write for Wine has a new BFF. Yay! Yay! We're totally BFF with Adrian Pierce. Oh my God. How cool is that? It is very, very cool. (laughs) Also, we would like to thank everyone who has voted for us on Podcast Alley and reviewed us on iTunes. Thank you, thank you. The goal is to break the top 10 on Podcast Alley in April, which, based on my preliminary and likely shoddy research, means we'll need around 350 votes, uh, which is about three and a half times as many listeners as we actually have right now. So it's going to be like a whole math miracle. Like, you know, Apollo 13 was a certain type of miracle, and this is another Uh one. Um, so tell your friends, vote for us on Podcast Alley, and I make this pledge. As soon as we break the top ten on Podcast Alley, I swear I will drink during the next podcast the worst swill ever brought into existence by human hands, Franzia White Zinfandel from a box, people. <laughs> from a box. I will do it, too. So if you want to force me to drink swill, get out there and vote at Podcast Alley, but wait until April 1st because the votes reset every month. <laughs> So if you vote like, you know, today, then it won't be any good. Mm-hmm. Wait until Sunday. Yeah. And just so you know, I'm not drinking from a box. So <laughs> just, just lie. I'm I want to make one. that perfectly clear. I'm the only, I'm doing the daredevil stunt. Yes. Yes. 
And don't forget our new MySpace page. Yay! For all you MySpacers out there, go to MySpace.com, We'll Write for Wine, and friend us. We need some love. Yes, we do. And that's it. Uh, we will be right back. We here at Will Write for Wine feel it's important to say that while we totally recommend drinking while podcasting, we do not recommend drinking while driving or drinking while emailing, (laughs) trust us on that one, or underage drinking or drinking too much or, for that matter, drinking too little. Drink just the right amount, like we do, and you'll be happy, like us. So just use common sense, and if you do something really stupid while drinking, like, for instance, calling your old boss and telling her she's an idiotic blowhard who couldn't do your job even if she had half a brain, then we just want to make it clear between all parties that it's really not our fault. And we're back. Yes, we are. The reader question this week is from Carol in Iowa. Hi, Carol. Hi, Carol. She writes, you've talked several times about the difference in your work ethics and your chattiness level. (laughs) Hmm. Chattiness. Chattiness. I wonder who she could be referring to there. You know, I really have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. She adds, I was wondering if you've ever taken the Myers-Briggs test, and if so, what is your personality type? (laughs) (laughs) This opened, this question opened a whole Pandora's box. One little question. It was so funny. Uh, For those of you who have never heard of Myers-Briggs, it is a famous personality profiling test with uh, four major components in it. And I'm just going to go through them really quick so everybody kind of has an idea what they are. Uh, The first one is introverted versus extroverted. This defines how you receive the essential part of your stimulation. Do you receive it from within yourselves? This is like your energy and stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. Receive it from within yourselves, then you're introverted. Or from external sources, then you're extroverted. The second one is sensing versus intuitive. This is your preferred method of taking in and absorbing information. So, do you trust your five senses, which is sensing, to take in information, or do you rely on your instincts, which is intuitive? The third one is thinking versus feeling. This refers to whether you are prone to decide things based on logic and objective consideration, which is thinking, or based on your personal subjective value systems, which is feeling. And the last one is judging versus perceiving. This is how you deal with the external world on a day-to-day basis. Are you organized and purposeful and more comfortable with structured, scheduled environments, which is judging? (laughs) Stop laughing. I'm not commenting yet. (laughs) I'm being so good and quiet. Or are you flexible and diverse and more comfortable with open, casual environments, which is perceiving? (laughs) So if you want more information on that, you can go to a website, www.personalitypage.com, and take the test for yourself. So Lonnie and I did this, (laughs) and we did it online, (laughs) on the phone, at the same time. And we learned some really interesting things. We did, we did. Yes, Lonnie is an ENFP, which means she's extroverted, intuitive, feeling, perceiving. So she gets her energy from external sources. She relies on her instincts for absorbing information. She makes her decisions based on her personal value systems. And she prefers a more flexible, uh, diverse, and 
casual environment around her. <laughs> Which is a nice way of saying, my life is a big mess. <laughs> Loosely controlled chaos. Loosely controlled <laughs> So we went down through, we kind of read the whole thing and, mm -hmm. and we read each other's and we're just kind of laughing and saying, like, oh my God, this is so you, you know. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm going to, so I picked out four things out of uh, that text uh, that we felt, uh, that, that I felt really uh, nailed, nailed uh, Lonnie's personality. <laughs> so it, uh, one of them is ENFPs can talk their way in and out of anything. <laughs> Which is absolutely true, like when she talked me into doing the podcast. How many times did you say no? <laughs> like, so Sam, you ever hear a podcast? No. No. <laughs> you interested in podcasts? No. Podcasts no. are really cool. Okay, download iTunes right now. Okay. <laughs> Most ENFPs have great people skills. They are genuinely warm and interested in people and place great importance on their interpersonal uh, relationships, like when she talked me into doing the podcast. <laughs> Which turned out to be a good thing. It did. <laughs> uh, ENFPs live in a world of possibilities and can become very passionate and excited about things. Their enthusiasm lends them the ability to inspire and motivate others. Like when she talked me into doing the podcast. <laughs> I'm sensing a theme here. And my last one is ENFPs sometimes lose sight of the main purpose of the discussion and go off on tangents, like we do when we do the podcast. Like we do when we do. You've been so kind. I do have a tendency to go off on tangents, I know. Just a little. <laughs> so then they had a whole list of like famous ENFPs, mm -hmm. uh, like Carol Burnett and Robin Williams and Dom DeLuise. <laughs> And Andy Rooney and Dr. Seuss. So a bunch of goofballs then, basically. It's me and a bunch of goofballs. No, but they're good goofballs, though. I like they them. They are. I'm you know, as in a room with these people. Mm -hmm. That's right. And as you can see from this list, ENFPs make the world a brighter place. Aww. And they really do. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you have to do a podcast Unless you're forced to do a podcast. <laughs> Kicking and screaming the whole way, folks. You would think I was taking her to the dentist. Honestly. Oh, man. And she's like, oh, let's just wing it. And I'm like, let's oh, just wing it. Like we did on the so. first one. The first podcast, we totally winged it. Like everything. That's why I was going off on a million different. Now we script them out and everything. It's very, very yeah. organized. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so Sam, I don't know if you'll be surprised to hear this, tested as an INFJ, which is introverted, intuitive feeling, judging. So mm -hmm. she likes, she's a little more internal and mm -hmm. she likes her environment a little more ordered. Than me, to say the least. <laughs> and the uh, the descriptions that I had about is INFJs are gentle, caring, complex, and highly intuitive individuals. Artistic and creative, they live in a world of hidden meanings and possibilities. And that's absolutely Sam to a T. Mm -hmm. um, INFJs place great importance on having things orderly and systematic in their outer world. <laughs> Do I need to comment on that? I don't think so. No, INFJs so. <laughs> operate within themselves on an intuitive basis, which is entirely spontaneous, which is interesting to me, but also I think really true. Because when Sam's planning out her book, she comes up with things that she knows intuitively fit, and then she finds the spreadsheet she can stuff them into. <laughs> so she does come up with stuff on an intuitive basis, but she can't rest until she finds a place in the spreadsheet for the stuff that she's coming up with. 
Um, because the INFJ has such strong intuitive capabilities, they trust their own instincts above all else. This may result in an INFJ stubbornness and tendency to ignore other people's opinions. They believe that they're right. On the other hand, INFJ is a perfectionist who doubts that they're living up to their full potential. Um, and this is funny because since Sam and I usually agree on everything, I don't think I've had the opportunity to come up against her in a disagreement except the tagline. <laughs> Which she made me change. I didn't make you change it. <laughs> she t- No, she totally did. This is what happened is I was like, oh, my God, I think this headline is really cute. She's like, well, let's see if we can come up with something else. <laughs> I said, but I think it's funny. It's funny. It's a funny tagline. People are going to like it. Well, why don't we see if we can come up with something else? And then like three days later, she's like, here's a new tagline. <laughs> <laughs> she never actually said we couldn't have the old tagline. <laughs> She just kind of pushed her point. <laughs> but I, I love the new tagline. I, it well, is. I love it. The new tagline is very, very nice. I think my other one was funnier, but it's very nice. I like this one. Um, this one is classier, definitely. Um, INFJs are in some ways gentle and easygoing. Conversely, they have very high expectations of themselves uh-huh, <laughs> and frequently their families. They don't believe in compromising their ideals. What I find really interesting about that is that while I don't see Sam as necessarily uncompromising, unless you you know trying to figure out a tagline or something, um, <laughs> the recurrent theme in her novels, for those of you who've read the C.J. Berry novels, and it's upcoming in the Samantha Graves, too, are um, there's a theme about living up to one's principles and refusing to sacrifice your ideals and what you know to be right, which I find really, really interesting when we talk about this this personality and how that, that sort of comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, famous INFJs, which, by the way, uh, compose about 1% of the population, which I also find very interesting. Um, you know, whereas I'm hanging out with the goofballs, <laughs> Sam's hanging with the movers and the shakers. We got you Jimmy Carter. We got you Martin Luther King Jr. Your mother freaking Teresa. <laughs> Oprah. And Fred McMurray of My Three Sons, the father of My Three Sons, who I think kind of rounds out the group, you know? Yeah. yeah. I want to know when Mother Teresa took the test. I know. Seriously. (laughs) What personality type was Jesus? I want to be that. Well, and, and I think it bears mentioning here that not only are our personality types very different, mm-hmm. they are actually mirror opposites. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what we discovered while we were taking these tests together uh, for this episode was that although our principles and our goals and our ethics are almost exactly identical, our approach to them is completely opposite, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is which is fascinating. And uh, in the end, we, we still wind up in the same place. Yeah, I so, think that's really. Uh, I think that's totally yeah. fascinating. When we when we yeah. looked at it, we realized how complete polar opposite we were. It was it was very weird. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> we get along so well. <laughs> okay, so great question. Thank you, Carol. Yes, thank you, Carol. That was awesome. That was really really fun. I don't think we would have mm-hmm. taken that test if it hadn't been for Carol. So I'm really glad she sent that in. Um, mm-hmm. And our writer question this week is from Heather in New Jersey. Um, and she asks, is there one book out there that you read and thought, wow, I wish I wrote that? Um, gosh, just one. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's hard to narrow it down. Um, <clears throat> I hate to say Pride and Prejudice because that's the standard answer for everyone about everything. Like whenever anybody asks you anything about like, what's your favorite book, who's your favorite character, blah, blah, blah. Pride and Prejudice always like number one with a bullet. Um, it makes you sound kind of both unoriginal and pretentious at the same time. And these are two things I try not to be more than <laughs> twice a week. So um, I would say actually the Harry Potter series. Um, oh. Not for all the money, although, you know, that'd be just fine. But because I really respect the way that um, Rowling tells stories 
stories. Um, mm-hmm. She's not really like an ace writer when it comes to, you know, buttery prose and, and all the kind of technical, more technical stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I'm a story girl. If your technicals are okay enough not to throw me out of the book um, and your story is excellent, I really won't care. Um, and mm-hmm. Rowling can spin a hell of a yarn. The woman is amazing. I've been completely entranced with every offering in the Harry Potter series. And I'm really excited and kind of a little sad about the final installment this summer. Although I'll tell you something, if she kills off Harry, Ron, or Hermione... I'm going to change my answer. I will not forgive her for that. She keeps putting these hints out in the news that like she might kill off Harry. And I'm like, no, or Ron and Hermione. I will never forgive her. if She does that. If it's great until the last book and then she kills off the people I love. So Sam, what about you? Um, I think I'm going to go with Lord of the Rings. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, The world building Mm -hmm. is just phenomenal. Oh my God. His whole life went into that. Yeah. 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 And my husband always tells me how brilliant, you know, he was and, and, and although I, I wholeheartedly agree. I also remind my husband that if I had 12 years to work on one book, that, you know, I, I could probably do that too. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it is just absolutely fantastic. And I think the movies uh, were, were really well done. Too, oh, yeah. So. If you guys, I mean, I, I have to tell you, I was never the kind of person that would appreciate, you know, like fantasy. My husband was really into Lord of the Rings. And so he made me read the book and he made me um, watch the films. And I can tell you some of the best storytelling out there. So if you haven't done it yet, break down now. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> it's fabulous. Mm-hmm. And that concludes our mail segment. Up next, uh, we recommend. We recommend. Each week, we're going to recommend something, music, books, movies, TV shows, websites, whatever, that we love so we can share them with you. And this week, I am recommending God, Inc. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I saw this and I'm like, what is it? I know. So I went to the website and I watched one of the things about God's lunch getting stolen. God's lunch getting stolen. That's one of my... they're, They're like... like a little internet sitcom oh okay it's a little internet sitcom he's got six episodes up i think they're about five minutes each and um they're just hilarious it's basically like the office in the thereafter you know it's Mm -hmm. like and it's all about like god you know bureaucracy of god's office you know like you never see god but they've got like the miracles department and they've got like all it starts with this it opens you know with the perspective of this one girl who has recently died and now she's being placed within the office Uh for her job and so she's kind of you know watching all this stuff as it's going on around her and it is just hilarious it's um you can find it on youtube and they've also got a myspace page but if you start at um, FrancisStokes.com. We've got the link up on the show notes. Um, mm-hmm. Then you can you can find everything you need from there. But oh my god, it is so hilarious. I watched it and I just completely fell in love with it. And now I'm dying for the next episode. And unlike, <laughs> you know, funded, um, you know, national television shows, I don't know when it's going to happen. I just have to sit here and wait. <laughs> yeah, it was very funny. It is. It's totally yeah. hilarious. You have to yeah. check it out. Yeah. And I'm going to recommend one of my favorite places on <gasps> earth, Adagio. Uh, Adagio.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, they sell loose tea. Mm-hmm. And uh, we love Adagio. Mm-hmm. I got Lonnie hooked on it um, last year, I think. Yeah, for Christmas you gave me the, it was Christmas, you gave me the little the little uh, tea um, infuser. 
yeah. and the whole thing. Yeah. Now I'm completely yeah. addicted. I've got more loose oh, yeah. tea in this house than I will ever drink in my entire <laughs> lifetime. But I'm so addicted. It's so good. Well, and the little brewing gadget thing. Yeah. That thing is just so That's cool. Awesome. And mm-hmm. so I can finally drink loose teas now. Mm-hmm. And uh, but they're they're a wonderful place. They uh, they ship like immediately they have oh, they great do. product mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so if you love tea that's a place to go oh absolutely it's totally fabulous mm-hmm. all right well that wraps up this uh break and we will be back in a minute a sexy international art thief with a license to steal and a past she can't escape an ex-cop with a murder to avenge and nothing left to lose Calculating Killer launches a deadly game. From the heat of Havana to the streets of New York City, the race for justice is on. Sight unseen by Samantha Graves, available April 1st at a store near you. And we're back. We're back. For our fourth episode, we are going to talk about writer process. And we have actually uh, discussed this very topic many times (laughs) because our processes are so completely different, Um, (laughs) diametrically opposed, basically, Mm -hmm. Um, kind of like our personality types, (laughs) which is very interesting uh, in a way because our our personality types sort of dictate, I think, our writing processes. Yeah, absolutely. And, Mm -hmm. And it was funny because I don't think we really understood it until we actually, we took the tests. And yeah. then, it made a, then it made a lot more sense. I know. There's so much clarity that came mm-hmm. from that. So thank you, Carol, for mentioning the personality test. <laughs> it's like illumination. Yes. <laughs> so the first thing we're going to talk about is pantsing versus plotting. Yes. We talk about this actually um, quite a bit. Like we throw out terms like pantsing and plotting. And of course, mm-hmm. it's occurred to me that possibly some people may not be as familiar <laughs> with these terms. <laughs> Some people may think that I'm talking about going out in the schoolyard and pulling somebody's pants down. And that's really not what this no. is about. This is a. No. <laughs> we're going to give you a quick definition of um, of what they what they mean. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a pantser, which basically just comes from I write by the seat of my pants. I open the document with very little idea of what's going on, what's going to happen, and I just sit down and write. Now, Sam, on the other hand, right? I am definitely a plotter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might take me months to get the plot that I want but mm-hmm. once I have it I pretty much have the entire story mapped out at that point mm-hmm. so uh, plot wise I know uh, what the basic story structure is going to be uh, what the turning points are you know all of that mm-hmm. um, so yeah so that's that's the basic difference between the two of them mm-hmm. yeah yep. and uh, the process is always greener on the other side <laughs> I, I wrote these little the... headlines <laughs> I <sure> did <laughs> That's very chuckling them, but yeah. it's true. Yeah. Uh, one of the things we've noticed as as we discuss our different approaches is uh, is is with like this really weird mix of awe and fascination and horror. It, usually, <laughs> usually the her horror that's horrified. Is, is me. Um, you know, and I would love to be less structured, but I think for the type of book that I write. It mm-hmm. is a necessary part of the process. Yeah. And, um, but that may very well be why I chose suspense over uh, writing other types of books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, that said, I would love to be able to skip those months of suffering and just write the book to see what would happen. But I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure it would suck. I think, you, I think your head would explode. I don't think you would last a day. I don't think so. 
<laughs> I'd get the shakes. And, yeah. <laughs> Poor Sam. I have mocked Sam piteously over her Excel sheets. <laughs> well, okay, okay. I mocked her piteously over her color-coded <laughs> spreadsheet that designated every piece of wardrobe that she would be wearing at last year's Romance Writers National Conference. Yes, but it worked. It worked. But it was funny. I mean, seriously, folks, I am not even kidding you. She had a notebook with sheets mm-hmm. printed out of, like, everything that she was going to do. One of the sheets yes. was color-coded wardrobe <laughs> changes. <laughs> well, part of the problem is that you can only bring like one suitcase to yeah. national. Yeah. You know, so, mm-hmm. but unfortunately you have to dress up like every day. You have mm-hmm. to have two, two, three outfits per day. It just, yeah. <laughs> so it ha- I have to be organized. I know. I, know I hate not do. having the right shoes. I know. <laughs> I know. And Sam, you know, I know you're not surprised by this. People has got spreadsheets for everything. Mm-hmm. GMC, scene breakdowns, character profiles, Everything. Mm-hmm. And while making fun of her, I still asked for them. <laughs> I opened them. I tried to fill them out. Unfortunately, they did me absolutely no good. I would plan something out and then I'd get into the book and things would change and switch around on me and I had to throw everything out. But then I'd look at Sam and she knew exactly what was going to happen and when it was going to happen. She knew who her villain was. <laughs> Which I very rarely should, do. Should we tell the story? Of, of the comeback the kiss when I got it to page yes. 250 and I told you I didn't know who my villain was? <laughs> and yeah. you freaked out? And I was like, <laughs> and my eyes started twitching. And I'm like, you're at 250 and you don't know who your villain is? I and didn't. this was what she said. Well, I have it down to three people. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure the three people I was thinking of at that point, none of them turned out to be the actual villain. No. I just I discover it I discover it with the reader, basically. I do. Um <laughs> It's a surprise for everyone. I know. So I'm so jealous of Sam because she has that all organized. And I mean, you know, as as fun as it is to say, oh, I'm so, you know, free and, you know, flowing and I pants things. It's freaking terrifying because you're writing this book and you're like, deadline, deadline, deadline alert. And it's coming at you like a speeding freight train. And you don't know who your villain is. It's very scary. Mm-hmm. It was scary for both of us, actually. Yes, I know. And poor Sam, like, that's the thing. She gets very involved in my deadline and my issues. Whereas, like, for me, if it's another adult, I'm like, yeah, you, know, you made your bed, you line it, babe. It's not my problem, you know? But Sam is so, like, so much more of a caring person. She's just so, and she'd call me up and she'd be like, have you figured out who your villain is yet? Yeah. And when I did, she could just hear the relief. <laughs> Oh, man. But you know what? The, the next thing we're going to talk about is how we kind of influence each other. Like, whether is it a coincidence? Yeah. Because yeah. over the last couple of years, we've been we've been good friends for like about two years now. Right. And uh, our processes have actually kind of drifted a little closer to each other, which is kind of a little scary. <laughs> so have we influenced each other or not? I have to say, I don't know. I mean, I still can't use the spreadsheets, mm-hmm. but I had this breakthrough earlier this year that has, like, completely changed my life. <laughs> and it only took six books. <laughs> I know. Six books. Um, and they're they're called turning points. Now, mm-hmm. th- this is going to seem very obvious to, like, anybody else, writer or not. 
you're going to be like, well, dude, you know, let's obviously. But anyway, um, I was introduced to them by the lovely and talented Miss Jennifer Cruzy, who is brilliant mm. and all things wonderful and pretty. And I love her. Mm-hmm. And the basics of it is this. Um, there are points, usually at the end of each act, and we kind of discussed this, I think, a little bit last week, um, mm-hmm. in which things kind of change for your character. Um, you don't need to know each scene. You just need to know the, you know, three to four turning points, depending on how many acts your book is structured in, and write to them. So instead of writing from, like, you know, starting at the beginning and having to, you know, find my way all the way to the end, what I do now is I write from turning point to turning point. Start at the beginning, I write to the turning point at the end of Act 1, take a breather, then I write from the turning point Act 1 to the turning point of Act 2, and it's just amazing. My life is so much easier now. And, I mean, how obvious. It took me six books to figure this out, people. And it's everywhere. It's everywhere. This hasn't been hiding. This is basic story (laughs) structure, right? But I just couldn't look at it. I mean, I just, people would talk about structure and about, you know, all this stuff. And I, and I had kind of had shut my mind off to it because, you know, I figure I tried it. You know, I'd opened an Excel sheet. I couldn't figure it out. It drove me insane. I couldn't stick to the map that I wrote out for myself, and I always ended up throwing everything out. So, um, so you know, I used to, find, like, fumble around blindly and kind of find the turning points by instinct, you know, <laughs> which is mm-hmm. kind of a messy process. And, um, and now I know where I'm going. I mean, I don't have everything planned out like scene by scene by scene but you know I kind of know where I'm headed in in this next segment of the book so I only have to write like 100 pages without knowing where I'm going as opposed to like 300 pages without knowing where I'm going so completely changed my life and the thing is though that I don't know if I would have ever kind of opened my mind to it if I hadn't spent so much time around Sam and her excel sheets and seeing how how well they did for her I mean as much as I mock her for them, and I do. Uh, the, the second the word I have an Excel sheet come out of her mouth, <laughs> I'm always like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you!" That, 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 that. And anything she says, she's well, doing. She's like, "You know, I'm going to the liquor store." And I'm like, "Do you have an Excel sheet for that?" It's in my Palm Pilot. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to laugh when you said, "Now I only have to write a hundred pages out, knowing where I'm going." I can't write. <laughs> Five pages without knowing where I'm going. But but I have to say that in, mm-hmm. in the book that I'm writing now, mm-hmm. I have not filled out all of my charts. <gasps> now, now you have to understand. This is scandalous information. This is, we're talking, uh, let me see, the GMC charts. And that the GMC chart is for the hero, the heroine, and the villain. Um <laughs> I have character profiles on the hero, the heroine, and the and the villain. I have um, secondary characters spreadsheet with pictures and who they are and why they're there. <laughs> I have my uh, my hot plot, which is basically just a kind of like an outline that I go through, and you uh-huh. know I try to try to fill that out. And then I have the detailed spreadsheet that actually says what's the day, what's the time, who's in the scene, whose point of view is it, what is happening in the scene, and what's the you know what's the emotional thing that's at stake and all of that so how many of those have you not filled out this time um i didn't fill out the detailed spreadsheet <gasps> oh so you missed the details and i suppose yeah. you don't have your heroines um 1040 from last year either do you No. <laughs> <laughs> but made. i do know how much she made last you year, know how so. she made last year. <laughs> so you you filled out everything except the detail sheet yes okay which you was filled good. out all of that stuff, yeah, except the detail sheet. Yeah, and this is the big breakthrough for you. 
this is and 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 I'm pretty sure that um it, it's either because I'm I'm getting better at writing mm-hmm. or I'm getting lazier or I'm just experimenting to see how long it would take me before I go out back you and actually do fill out the detail spreadsheet. You know what? <laughs> you know what? I will say this. This is what I think it is. You want to hear my theory? Okay. I think you're more confident. Oh, maybe I that's think it. You, I think you are trusting yourself mm-hmm. to be able to figure it out. And I think that that's a huge part of this, of this thing. Like we were talking about the INFJs, that mm-hmm. they don't think they're good enough. Yeah. And I think that, oh, oh, big, big, huge. This is like Oprah. Aha, light bulb, the whole thing. This is huge. Okay. We didn't even have this written out. I just came up with this right now. Okay. See, I think that Uh-oh. you didn't have confidence, and that's why you have all those Excel sheets, because you don't have confidence in your ability to figure it out when you get oh. there, to figure it out when the time is right. And I think that you're backing Maybe. off on the details sheet is uh-huh. a sign that you finally have a little confidence, which is awesome because you're so freaking good. <laughs> Doesn't it drive you crazy? Like when you know a beautiful woman who doesn't think she's pretty. Like Sam is this amazing writer. She's like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. You know? <laughs> I mean, my God. I think that's what it is. Maybe. I think maybe. that's what it is. I think yeah. that's what it is. So, so what yeah. lessons have we learned? What lessons have we learned? Well, I'll tell you. I feel yeah. like we should have like the music underneath, like the, you know, the little, like the light airy piano, like <laughs> lessons learned. Uh, the big thing that I've learned over the course of writing seven books, mm-hmm. I just finished my seventh one, um, is that the process um, is really a fluid thing. Like the mm-hmm. the way I wrote Time Off for Good Behavior differs markedly from how I wrote Maybe Baby, which was the biggest torturous experience. <laughs> my life. <laughs> um, I've realized that how I do things now is um, just how I do them now. And uh, uh, and I'm reading what I'm writing now. I sound like <laughs> just completely screwed that up, but we're keeping it because this is a long segment. I'm not doing it over again. <laughs> I've realized I've that won. how I do things now is just how I do them now. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that likely process will morph by the time I get to the next book. In On Writing, um, Stephen King defines books as found things like Mm -hmm. archaeological relics. And how we get Mm -hmm. them out of the ground is going to differ based on what the relic is. So a book is what it is, and you're going to need different tools to get out of the ground. Um, I will say that the more I do this, the more skilled I become at getting those relics out with as little damage as possible. (laughs) Some of them, they can't even recognize them. I don't know what this is. Um, It could be a pot. could be a statue. I don't know. Um, but I like this idea about books being found things. They're kind of like mm-hmm. children. They are what they are. We just kind of give birth to them. 